Welcome to the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast, our weekly look at the world of fantasy sports. I'm Steve Gardner, and my guest this week is the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, of the Fantasy Sports Network and also Sports Illustrated. And, uh, Corey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. Always glad to, uh, always glad to get on the podcast with you and talk a little fantasy sports. So I know you've been coming on the radio with us for many years, whether it be back in the day at SiriusXM or even more recently at FNTSY. So definitely, you know, going from my role from being producer, um, I know how long I've been reaching out to you now, so definitely uh, glad to return the favor here today. Well, good. We'll get some of uh, your opinions this time and, uh, and get some of your insights. We'll talk about the matchups for Week 4. We'll talk about some struggling players and, uh, and also plenty, plenty more as well. But first... You're a Dallas Cowboys guy. I think there, there's no secret about that. People that know you and uh, have heard you on the air know that uh, that you're a Cowboys guy. And you and I are playing in the Flex League, the Fantasy League of Experts. And I thought we'd start right there because right now you're at 2-1 and one in this league. you got the highest point total. You're riding high. And I'm kind of at the other end at 0-3 and, and the only winless team in the league. So, first of all, congratulations and You've managed to combine success in fantasy sports with your favorite team, going with Zeke Elliott and Des Bryant in rounds one and two. Did you think that that would be a winning strategy when you uh, had your opportunities and took those two Cowboys in the in the first two rounds? Well, you know, honestly, it was kind of it was kind of funny because um, that wasn't my plan going into the draft. But this was before you know we had heard that Zeke was going to be suspended for six games. I think at the time of the draft, the rumor was that he would have a two-game suspension or something like that, and that was much more easy to deal with, especially when I knew that Denver Bronco game was going to be in there too, so I figured that wasn't going to be his best fantasy performance anyway, so I figured you still would have the player for, you know, the majority of, of, you know, of the games where he was able to produce his fantasy points. So when he fell to me, I believe it was at five, I scooped him up. We came back, I didn't expect Dez to be there in the second, now Dez is not been the best. He struggled a little bit to the start of his season. He is the extreme ultimate touchdown producer at the wide receiver position right now, though. So, but really, it's been the players more like the Kareem Hunt, who I got in round six of that draft, who is really rookie that's gotten out to a very hot start. Everything we thought he would do in Andy Reid offense, that young man is doing it. Now, at the time of the draft, uh, see if you remember, Spencer Ware was the starting running back. He hadn't suffered that injury yet. Right. So, uh, Hunt in the seventh round, excellent value. But even in seven, the day of the draft, people told me I took him too early. Um, but it's paying off now. I have a team with Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt on it. <laughs> wow, yes. Definitely can't uh, argue with that at this point. Uh, speaking of Des Bryant, though, I mean, in terms of he did score a really uh, impressive touchdown in the Monday night game, but he only had a couple of catches and minimal yardage. Is is he going to be able to get back on track soon? Are you are you worried a little bit about Des Bryant and his production? He has some tough matchups to begin the season. I think you're going to see that from time to time throughout the course of the year. He'll also have another stretch of tough matchups. Obviously, those corners in the NFC East with the New York Giants and Norris Jenkins still got um what's the young man name out in Washington? Josh Norman. Oh, boy, Josh Norman on the schedule. Yes, Josh Norman on the schedule. There'll be you know there'll be a game against Kansas City. So. He's going to have some tough matchups, but they're going to be able to get him in position, I think. I think right this week, starting in week four, the schedule starts to loosen up. I think Des Bryant comes out and has a big week this week as he's not going up against one of them optimal cover corners. But listen, in that first three games, he was going up against that kind of murderous row of cover corners. He still came out in that situation with two touchdowns. So 
Desmond's kind of doing what Desmond's supposed to do. I think he'll get better as the season progresses. Yep, but Daz, uh, Dak Prescott has has done a good job of getting the ball to him in those positions. Are you are you uh, happy as a Cowboys fan and, and a fantasy owner about uh, Dak Prescott's um, improvement or or uh, the way that he has gone from season one, such a great rookie year, to here in, in so far in, in season two? You know what? I tell you one of the best quotes I ever heard. If you can get a second-year quarterback to play the exact same as he did in his rookie year, consider it progress. Okay. That's, how, that's how volatile that second year can be for quarterbacks in the NFL, especially when they come out very good. Sometimes they think they've got the game figured out, but most times often defensive coordinators adjust to that quarterback, and, they got, and you've got to see the adjustment they make. The case with Dak Prescott, you know, we saw him really for the first time really have big struggles out there in Denver. Now you got to understand, Steve, that's a team that was in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Right. That defense, the core, that defense still together. So player like that and, and, and Dak Prescott on the road in a big spot like that, tough test, but, you know, came out of that one and then comes to Arizona and gets a victory. He makes the plays. Also down the stretch last year, you saw Dak making plays, the playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. So from that's from an NFL standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint, he's a QB1. Each and every week he'll be in that QB1 conversation, and he probably run about – five or six touchdowns in this year also, even though you got Zeke Elliott in that backfield. So I'm satisfied with Dak Prescott as the quarterback one. Every week in a 10-team, in a 12-team league, somebody's going to be starting Dak Prescott, and that's rightfully so. All right. And let's complete the uh, the triumvirate there in the backfield, talk a little bit more about uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, it looks like we're going to get maybe a ruling on, on the NFL's appeal in in about a week, so Zeke has no problem playing this this coming week. Are you still a little bit worried, though? It, it just seems like the the legal maneuvering and everything is just so much more than than we needed to. It, it would be great to get a resolution to this immediately for everybody involved. The NFL is known for dragging these things out. They take it to the Fifth Circuit, the more favorable court to them in New York. But, you know, from one of the stuff that I'm reading, listen, I'm not the legal guy over here, but from the stuff I'm reading, there are a lot of them are saying, okay, the NFL will go with this appeal to have, you know, to stay removed. But really the court's more than likely going to say, well, let's just let the process play out. And if we got to give them a six-game suspension, we'll give them a six-game suspension. But that decision does not need to be made now. Right now it's more about letting the appeal process play out. So I think Ezekiel Elliott gets to play the whole season. I think he'll serve that six-game suspension to start next year more than likely. That's the way I think this uh, situation to play out with Ezekiel Elliott uh, moving forward. So as far as for this season, you got him, you know what I mean? The Cowboys offensive line, not as stout as it was last year. You could tell. I think Zeke is, probably has a lot on his mind, not really hitting the holes as crisply as he was last year. But I think, you know, once we get past this latest court thing, I think you really start to see the young man getting a little bit more focused on playing football than he is right now because you can clearly tell that something's bothering him right now. Yeah, def- definitely, though, uh, good signs, at least, for Zeke Elliott owners. You know, here I was thinking I was really smart in that flex draft, drafting Darren McFadden, and uh, once the suspension came down, thinking I was sitting on a gold mine, and it looks like Darren McFadden may not turn into anything fantasy-wise this season. Before we leave the Cowboys, I, one other thing, too, and, and talking about some off-the-field uh, incidents and, and uh, issues, the Cowboys all locked arms with owner Jerry Jones, in fact, on the sidelines uh, before the, the game. Uh, what did you think of all the demonstrations? Um, it seems like this whole protest that Colin Kaepernick started has morphed into something 
you know, to where we can't even realize or recognize exactly what people are upset about, what people are protesting, what the protests against the protests are, uh, uh, or, or what were your thoughts about those protests and seeing some teams unified, some teams doing their own thing? It was, it was an awfully strange week of football. Definitely an interesting weekend in the NFL where it almost became like, uh, you know, one of Donald Trump's reality shows basically is, is, what, is what it basically turned into. I mean, we're so far away from, you know, the, the kneeling for Colin Kaepernick and for racial inequality that now it's just like kneeling against Donald Trump. And, you know, it's, it's kind of not, I think, what it was meant to be the last thing that's really the people are talking about is Colin Kaepernick and why this happened in the first place. So I wish the story would move more into that direction. You know, so I'm just like, even on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week, you know, you got, uh, they, they, they make it like a picture of LeBron James, Steph Curry interlocking arms with Roger Goodell. And I'm like, what does Roger Goodell have to do with this? <laughs> right. You feel what I'm saying, Steve? So I'm like, this has gotten so far away from what it really is, you know. So you kind of just hope it, it returns back to the action on the field and all. You know, I don't think this is anything against the military or the United States of America's flag or against the national anthem. You know, this was a sign of, you know, with Colin Kaepernick attending racial inequality and police brutality and stuff like that. So when you look at that to where it's at now, it's kind of like it's a shame to see it go in that direction. I understand a lot of people are upset about this, and I can understand the reason why, but, you know, this is done at at the, at the this time for the, at this venue because this is how you draw attention to it. But now it's kind of becoming like a sideshow as it's becoming more or less like the NFL versus Donald Trump. Yeah, and then dragging, you know, players into it and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I found it interesting, too, as we'll, we'll get off of this topic here uh, in just a second. But the NFL's response that Roger Goodell issued did not say Donald Trump anywhere in that statement. You know, it just said these divisive comments and then went on to talk about uh, players doing hurricane relief and all that sort of stuff. So it it really it seems like people are missing the mark. If you're trying to have a discussion, it seems like people are talking and not meeting where the issue actually is. So anyway, that's uh, exactly it's it's kind of a sideline. Kind of became over the weekend. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get back to some football talk. Um, One of the struggling players, I think that maybe. I don't know if it's a big surprise, but one of the players that has consistently struggled so far this season is Cam Newton and a guy who, you know, was the MVP two seasons ago. And I remember saying at the start of last week, you know, here he is, he's playing against the New Orleans Saints defense. And if there's any chance that Cam is going to get well, this is the best opportunity for him. He ended up laying an egg again, 167 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions, what do we think of Cam Newton now? Corey, are, are we ready to give up and, and cut him maybe for somebody else? I hate to say something like this because I hear so many fantasy analysts say this, but I, I kind of saw this coming, I, but I have it in writing. Okay. <laughs> not, not on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just delete my tweets that said uh, otherwise. That's what I'll do. I'll delete my tweets yeah. that said otherwise. <laughs> you have the off-season shoulder surgery. You have... Mike Shuler, the offensive coordinator, installing a new offense to build a team around Christian McCaffrey's skill set. So that was the first kind of two things. Cam, you know, getting in the camp and not really getting to be a full participant just about till week one. That took place, and then he loses Greg Olson. And now he's dealing with a situation with Kelvin Benjamin. And, they, and it, that's basically what you've seen in the past two weeks. He's learning a new offense on the fly, overcoming injury. I think it's a down year for Cam Newton. I think it's going to be this way all season. 
until he gets up to speed on that new offense. I think he bounces back nicely, healthy next season. Dynasty leaguers, don't worry about it. He'll still be a QB1. If you're in a 10-team league, you can go ahead and cut Cam Newton. That's how passionate I am about Cam. Is not going to be the Cam we know for this season. And a 12-team league, Cam Newton is a streaming option. So oh. he's in that Jay Cutler, you know, that Jay Cutler, Alex Smith. He's in that mix right now. He's not getting the rushing yardage. He's not getting the rushing touchdowns. It's kind of almost as if he's just, he's like Alex Smith. Wow. So this week he goes up against the New England Patriots, the 32nd ranked defense, dead last in the NFL in yards allowed. So tell me, would you rather have, if you had to start one of these two, or or you had to start Cam or one of these other guys, I'll give you, tell me which one you'd rather have, uh, Cam Newton or Deshaun Watson this week? I would start Deshaun Watson. Okay. Cam Newton or Jared Goff against your Cowboys, I believe, right? I think Jared Goff could have a good game this weekend. Ah, boy, I tell you what, that's tough. I think Jared Goff is going to be inconsistent. But that 22 or 28, that was an excellent performance, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago on um, Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would go Cam in that situation. I would, go, I would go Cam over Jared Goff because Goff is inconsistent. One thing about the Patriots, that defense being dead last, that's because they're always playing come from behind. Yep. Uh, uh, Tom Brady certainly had a field day last week. All right, one more. Um, Cam Newton or Tyrod Taylor? I would go Tyrod Taylor. That's a, that's a slam dunk right there. Tyrod Taylor borderlines on being the QB one just about every week. He still has that rushing upside. Got a nice matchup in the game versus the Falcons where he should be some fantasy fireworks. Maybe Tyrod a little uh, like the former Cam Newton in all of his skill sets. Exactly. Uh, what? Okay, let's, let's move on. A couple of other uh, struggling players. Amari Cooper. What's the deal there? Ten receptions in three games, 101 yards, one touchdown. They tried to feed him in the uh, red zone in week one and kind of have uh, backed off from that. Is there hope for Amari Cooper owners? Yeah, still hope for Amari Cooper. He's too young and he's too talented. You know, I think he has to probably put it together a little bit mentally. The drops signify him not really being into the game mentally. That's all that about. You know, the talent is dynamic. This is a guy that's 23 years old, and you kind of just figure at some point, it has to click, and he has to become a professional athlete and do the things he needs to do to make sure his body is right, to make sure his physical is right. I just think the talent alone is enough to get him through. We don't really see the full Amari Cooper until he grows and develops a little bit more because that dropping of the football, that goes through with immaturity and not being focused. We've been waiting for a while for uh, to see that Amari Cooper, and I guess we'll wait a little bit longer. Uh, one of the big injuries this past week, Darren Sproles of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, terrible injury. Not only uh, had, had uh, his knee, but he also broke a bone in his, uh, was his arm or something like that. It, it, multiple, two, two that could have uh, taken him out for the entire season, and he had them both at the same time. Um, so what do you make of it now with the Eagles' backfield? You take Sproles out, the receiving back. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt is still the starter, but uh, a little more Wendell Smallwood in the in the picture. Who do you like? Is is there one that you like better than the other going forward? You know what? It's, it's, this, is the, this is the wave of wire dilemma of week number four of fantasy football. He's really the only intriguing guy on wave of wires this week. So you're going to get people spending up for him, and more than likely they're going to spend up too much. If I needed a piece of running back, yeah, I could put him on my roster. You know, this is not, Philadelphia is not a place you go for running backs. You go to Philadelphia, you want a piece of that air attack and what Carson Wentz is doing. You want a piece of that volume that Carson Wentz. That goes directly against the running game. You can get some value out of it, even with Darren Sproles off. I think Smallwood is a solid add 
But, you know, through the bye weeks, can you, you, you use them in your starting lineup? Yes. I think you should temper your expectations, expectations, though. You know what? I think it's a similar situation, although not exactly with the Redskins' backfield, to where, you know, Rob Kelly goes out and you've got a receiving guy like Chris Thompson that comes in that may be more effective than the, the guy who's starting in Samaje Pirine. Um, and then you get Kelly back in. Thompson may still be the more effective and more valuable fantasy back. Is, is that how you see it, or is that just me? Yeah, that's how I see it also, Steve. You know, when you look at what they have, this is the guy who's touched the football 21 times this season, but he scored four touchdowns. That kind of dynamic playmaking ability, obviously, you can't keep that up. You can't keep scoring every four times you get the football. That's crazy. Not going to happen. But that kind of dynamic playmaker, it also can't be ignored. I think what we're looking at in Chris Thompson is a guy that should be owned in every 12-team PPR, also in every 10-team PPR, not so much in a 10-team standard. So I think that when you're moving forward with Chris Thompson, kind of got to keep putting him in your lineups, depending on, you know, the players that you have in front of him. You kind of got to keep putting him in your lineups. I think we could be looking at this season's Tyreek Hill. Yeah, a big play, big play potential. And, you know, even if he catches five passes for 50 yards, I mean, in a PPR setup, that's still a double-digit point total. So uh, I- I'm with you there. I think I think Thompson can be an effective guy. Um, also with the Broncos, uh, Jamal Charles outperformed C.J. Anderson last week. Uh, do we read anything different into this or, uh, you know, to where maybe Jamal Charles might be healthier and and closer to the Jamal Charles of old than the one we saw last season who was injured? I wouldn't go as far as to say Jamal Charles of old, old but I, what I would say is, I, I eat crow. I, I didn't think he was going to be healthy enough to make the football team. And then I was like, even if, after he made the football team, I was like, they're going to cut him or they're just not going to use him. He's actually been, I would say, I'm impressed with what I thought he would be. And obviously, he's not going to be the Jamal Charles of all. What I will say is this, though the game script this past week on the road in Buffalo, who has a better defense than people think, coming off that big win. Kind of a health and scout the game script. I think when you get back to what they want to do, that's going to be C.J. Anderson pounding the football with a little bit of sprinkling of Jamal Charles. I don't think Jamal Charles is worth adding a 12-team league. Okay, so you would say then uh, Chris Thompson over Jamal Charles at this point going forward, right? Oh, yes. Okay, and yes, Wendell uh-huh. Smallwood, how does he compare to, uh, to Jamal Charles? I would, I would, I would, I would roster Wendell Smallwood before I would roster Jamal Charles. Wendell Smallwood will have an opportunity. Jamal Charles' opportunities you're not going to be able to predict. All right, gotcha. Um, before we leave the running back situations, um, I, what do you think the Bears, the Bears running back situations, and the Titans had uh, two guys that uh, have kind of alternated in which one has been better, uh, similar to what happened with the Broncos last week. But will you? Are you thinking that uh, that Tariq Cohen? And Jordan Howard are both startable in, from Chicago, and and uh, both Derrick Henry and Demarco Murray in Tennessee. Are you uh, uh, on board with all of those guys as possible starts? Cohen is startable in Cohen and Howard are startable mainly because Cohen is startable in the PPR. Cohen in the standard may not be the guy that you really want in the standard league. Cohen in the PPR. And then obviously Howard in either format because of his work, his work, his workload, and what he should have. Cohen, if I'm not mistaken, Cohen might lead running back in targets. Yes, Cohen's going maybe a 50, 60 catch guy coming on to, into this season. He looks like the number one option in the Chicago Bears passing game, so he's a must own in the PPR. 
Now, when you look at the other situation with, in Tennessee with Murray and Henry, I don't think you can start Henry if Murray is healthy. Okay. If Murray is healthy and he's active and he's on the go, you know, unless we hang hamstring is really bothering him, he's going to be limited. That's what we heard that last week. Right. He rips up a 75-yard touchdown run. So, and then Henry, more or less, a week when everybody had them in their lineup thinking this is the week he was going to pop. He didn't, he didn't do anything. I kind of was off of Henry last week because Seattle's defense, you know, they're still a stout run defense. But um, I don't think Henry can be started in the 12, in the 10 or 12 team league if DeMarco Murray is active. All right. Good, new, uh, good uh, advice there from Corey Parson of the Fantasy Sports Network and Sports Illustrated. Make sure you uh, know your league situation, your league setup, because definitely a difference between those guys in standard and PPR. You're listening to the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast, part of the USA Today Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Audioboom. And if you like what you hear, please download us, like us, and rate us on all of those platforms, and follow us on Twitter at USA Today Fantasy. All right, my guest, Corey Parson of the Fantasy Sports Network and Sports Illustrated. Um, We're going to get into some rankings now, Corey. So I'm going to go down our rankings at some of these skill positions, and maybe we can just do a little free form and uh, talk about some of the players we like or don't like. Um, At quarterback, we've got number one this week is Aaron Rodgers in the Thursday night game against the Bears. Drew Brees, number two. Tom Brady is three. Cam Newton gets ranked as our number four quarterback. I think Corey may dispute that. And uh, Matthew Stafford in at number five. Um, Here's one for you, though, Corey. Uh, Matt Ryan for the Falcons playing against Buffalo is our number six quarterback. The Bills have yet to allow a touchdown pass this season. Are you worried if you're a Matt Ryan owner? I'm not worried if I'm a Matt Ryan owner. The Bills haven't faced an offense like the Atlanta Falcons yet this season. Atlanta Falcons, will, Matt Ryan will throw a touchdown pass this week. I mean, when that offense is rolling, they are clicking. I mean, that's, they get up and down. And the, the funny thing about it, and I wanted to bring this up, and I'm quite sure we might, when we get to the running back rankings, I probably hop on it to touch on it again. That offense runs through Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman is more than likely the most underrated player in the NFL. He should be the he should be the reigning Super Bowl MVP right now. He's a hell of a ball player. Um, but as far as Matt Ryan, he's got all those weapons in that offense. I think they'll get in the end zone in the passing game. Buffalo does have a good young defense, but they're, they're going to be in a tough spot this week going up against the Falcons in the, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, I'll say the Georgia Dome. But going right. up against the Falcons in the, new, the all-new Mercedes-Benz. No. Right-o. Uh, number seven is Kirk Cousins of the Redskins. Number nine, Blake Bortles. Both of those guys had really good games in week three. Can you trust one or both of those guys? Kirk Cousins in a tough environment this week, having to go in the arrowhead. I would fade Kirk, Kirk Cousins this week. You know, the thing about it is, that's what my mind says, to fade Kirk Cousins. But if you look at the game total, Las Vegas has that game at 49 and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, Kansas City is not a 30-point team. You feel what I'm saying? So right. I'm like, there can, be some scoring in, there can be some scoring in this game, even though that you know DC's on the road to take on um, Kansas City in that real tough environment. I would say Kirk Cousins is probably right outside the top twelve, but I do think he's startable this week. Okay, and the Redskins have the number five ranked defense, so they may not be a pushover there at Arrowhead. What what about Bortles? Mm-hmm. Trust him against the Jets. I think Bortles had a Bortles had you know an epiphany last week. I don't <laughs> think we're really going to ever see much of that ever again. You get a couple of those Blake Bortles games. Like that, coming up this week, 
think he can get some action versus Houston. I don't think he can finish inside the top 12 at quarterback for the week, but I think he'll be on that borderline. Blake Bortles is not going to be the Blake Bortles of the past two years where he's kind of helped the skelter throwing 50 times in catch-up mode. When Blake Bortles puts up QB1 numbers this year, it'll be because, he, because, it'll be because he's ex, is extremely efficient. Uh, and I don't know if you want to count on Blake Bortles being extremely efficient. Yeah, I, I don't think, too, we'll see uh, three touchdowns from Mercedes Lewis again this week either. Uh, running backs, no. Le'Veon Bell is number one, Kareem Hunt number two, Devontae Freeman at number three. LaShawn McCoy gets the number four spot in that Atlanta-Buffalo game. Ezekiel Elliott, five, followed by Ty Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, Carlos Hyde, Melvin Gordon, and Jay Ajayi. Speaking of, of Ajayi, 11 carries, 16 yards last week against the Jets. A little bit of an injury concern as well coming into this week. Um, do we kind of pump the brakes a little bit on expecting a lot from Jay Ajayi for uh, like a number 10 running back overall? I wouldn't buy him in a trade. If somebody's peddling him, they're trying to get rid of him because they know that knee is bone on bone. He is more than likely going to be on the injury report every single week. Maybe if you get a week where he practices on a Friday. That's my, my guess would be he doesn't practice Wednesday, he doesn't practice Thursday. He might be eliminated on Friday, give it a go on Sunday. That would probably be the script he maintains throughout the course of the whole year. They want to be able to run the offense through him. They had a, they had an absolute egg last week versus the New York Jets. I think they bounced back nicely. I think he's, you know, don't worry about last week. You put him right back in your lineup this week. I'm not the biggest J.H.I. guy. I don't, I don't own him on one team. Maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, or or the other side of the coin too is if he does happen to have a good game against a not so good Jets defense, then do you try and and trade him and sell high if you're a JHI owner? I think you can try. It depends, depending on the savvy of your league, if he has a good game, I definitely um would, would would ship him right out there. See what I can feel back in in, in return, depending on what your status is, or, you know, with your running back depth. This is what I tell fantasy owners all the time, Steve, is somebody will be in your inbox looking for a trade on, you know, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And you can say, okay, fine, I can trade away some of this running back depth. They play a game on Thursday. It's a full slate on Sunday. They play a game on Monday. By Tuesday, your running back depth could be gone. Yeah, no doubt. And that's that's just the way it is, especially at that position. Um, one other thing, too, Todd Gurley, I'm looking further down the rankings, only at, at number 17 going against – I'm, I'm going to ask him because he's, again, playing the Cowboys. What do you think about you – know, can the Cowboys stop Todd Gurley? I mean, their, their defense has been, has been passable so far this season. You can stop Todd Gurley. The thing about it is because you don't have to play him on your computer screen. When you're playing him on your computer screen, there's nothing you can do about the volume. He touches the football a lot. Mm -hmm. they're, going to be, they're going to feature him in the running game. He's going to catch four or five passes out the backfield. Todd Gurley touches the football a lot. He has a lot of, he has a lot of volume attached to his game. My good buddy Matt Medica likes to say in fantasy, volume trump efficiency, and that has been certainly the case with Todd Gurley. He doesn't look like this generational running back that we thought Todd Gurley was going to be coming out of the University of Georgia. He doesn't look like that right now. He's not running that way. He hasn't run that way since his rookie year. What he does, what he is getting, though, he has a new offensive scheme with Sean McVay. He has an improved Jared Goff, and he's touching the football. It seems like this about every play. 
that's why he's going to be. That's why he's putting up these big fantasy numbers. Yep, I love what they're doing with him. Um, also, the uh, wide receivers, Antonio Brown is one. Jarvis Landry, number two. That's a pretty bold statement. Um, Michael Thomas, three. Going against the Saints. As uh, New Orleans plays against Miami, maybe some fireworks in that game. Keenan Allen, four. Julio Jones, five. Odell Beckham, six. Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, the uh, Packers duo against the Bears in the Thursday night game. Doug Baldwin, number nine, maybe some injury issues there. And Mike Evans at number 10. Um, any of those uh, stick out for you? Mike Evans is more than likely George and Norris Jenkins this weekend. I wouldn't worry about that. I think him and Jameis get on the same page. Um, obviously, you know, when you look at that situation in Green Bay, Devontae Adams is a player that fancy owners want to see getting warmed up a little bit. I think he'll have a chance to do that this week. Julio Jones, 21 targets. I mean, excuse me, Julio Jones, 26 targets on the season. Muhammad Sanu, 21. Julio Jones with, I think, one red zone target on the season. That's got to change. Yep, and uh, you know, last week Sanu got a touchdown, and Taylor Gabriel also with a touchdown catch last week. And I'll throw another one at you. Number 12 is Stephon Diggs coming off that huge two-touchdown, 173-yard game uh, going up against Detroit. You like him and the the way that Case Keenum has uh, taken over this offense if, in fact, he does start again this week? Case Keenum will be inconsistent. If Sam Bradford not started this week, don't think that you're in the clear now if you have these pieces in the Vikings passing game like Steeland, like Diggs. That was an excellent performance. He can very well come back and lay an egg. That's how backup quarterbacks are. But I think you've got to feel real good right now, very optimistic on what Stephon Diggs can be. Stephon Diggs right now looks like a rock-solid RB1. Could be a dude that's going to be on a lot of championship teams. He can catch upwards of 100 passes this year. He's a miniature Antonio Brown. Nice. Uh, mark that down, folks. Uh, miniature Antonio Brown. Uh, also in the uh, wide receiver ranks, Des Bryant is 23rd this week. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, no structural damage in his knee, but uh, he's ranked 27th. Cam Newton needs to get back on track. He needs Kelvin Benjamin at 100% to do that. And um, as for the tight ends, uh, Travis Kelsey, Delaney Walker, Rob Gronkowski, you could probably predict those three. Tyler Eifert, we don't know if he's going to play, but uh, has a great matchup against he's Cleveland. Not. He's not, Steve. He is he's completely not. out. I wouldn't be surprised if he don't play no more this year. Real. <laughs> uh, that's one of the, again, the tight end position has just been hammered by injuries this year. Greg Olson being another one. I think, and, and we were worried, at least some were, about Rob Gronkowski being able to stay healthy. So far, so good if you've got Gronk. Maybe uh, maybe that's the big de- uh, defining pick for uh, any position so far this year. Could be the Rob Gronkowski healthy, again, the piece of that workload, good amount. He looks beat up. Doesn't like the same play. It looks like the injuries are taking a toll on his body. Um, the, the tight ends, though, really, you could put the names in the hat and pick one out every week and then play that guy. Yep, I, I agree with That's you completely. That's kind of what Titan is going to be. And yep. One other guy, I'll tell you, though, uh, Zach Ertz has been a godsend for fantasy Well, no, he's too. excellent. Yes, he's been excellent. He deserves to be up in there, too. All right, Corey, I, I thanks so much. Um, that's that's about all for today. I, I just want to give you an opportunity, though, to tell us what you're up to. You're a man of, of many talents and uh, and many things going on. So what, uh, what exactly are you working on uh, right now? So right now, uh, thank, and thank, thank you a lot, Steve. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you. Definitely had a good time doing that. But if you want to keep in touch, um, you know, every morning, every weekday morning, we're on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can download the app, you know, in the App Store or on Google Play if you have an Android device. You know, we're from 6 to 9, of course, the Voto Records in the Morning uh, radio program. Myself, Scott Engel, Greg Sussman, and Matt Medica. 
you know, it's a show that we've been doing for many years now, no longer on Sirius XM. You can catch us on the Fancy Sports Radio Network. You download that app also on iTunes and on iHeart and uh, the TuneIn uh, Radio. Uh, and then from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, my brand of show with Jake Seeley, the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Jake Seeley and Matt Medico on that one. We go from 9 to 11 right there on FNTSY Radio. And then you catch me on SI Now with uh, Maggie Gray and Robin Lundberg doing some sit start with them. And also myself and Robin Lundberg from Sports Illustrated. We go Facebook Live every Wednesday. Get sit starts in that way. And then also with uh, Pro Football Now with uh, Peter King and Albert Breer. Do a little fantasy stuff on that on the Sports Illustrated Network. So you catch that over at SI.com. So that's how you keep in touch with the fantasy executive. Definitely. You know, thank everybody for all their support, and I thank you a lot, Steve Gardner. You bet, Corey. Thanks so much for being the guest this week. That will do it for this edition of the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank the very busy Corey Parson for joining me today. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner. And, uh, Corey, you uh, do a little tweeting out there. What's your Twitter handle? At the Fantasy Exec, E-X-E-C. All right, so don't forget we're posting new fantasy baseball and football content every day at fantasy.usatoday.com. So for my special guest, Corey Parson, this is Steve Gardner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner. And, uh, Corey, you uh, do a little tweeting out there. What's your Twitter handle? At the Fantasy Exec, E-X-E-C. All right, so don't forget we're posting new fantasy baseball and football content every day at fantasy.usatoday.com. So for my special guest, Corey Parson, this is Steve Gardner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.